Hello, everyone. Welcome to Shelf Care Interview, an occasional conversation series in which Booklist talks with book people. The Shelf Care Interview is sponsored by Harper Collins. I'm Donna Seaman, Booklist Adult Books Editor, and it is my great pleasure to be speaking with Jeffrey Archer, the internationally best-selling author of more than a dozen novels, including Cain and Abel and Heads You Win, many celebrated short story collections, plays, a nonfiction trilogy, Prison Diaries, and two crime series, the seven-title Clifton Chronicles and the William Warwick Mysteries, Nothing Ventured, Hidden in Plain Sight, Turned a Blind Eye, and the book we'll be talking about today, Over My Dead Body. This is to be published by Harper Collins in October. Booklist says Jeffrey Archer's Over My Dead Body is another winner in this consistently excellent series, and it is indeed a rollicking good time read. Thank you for joining us, Jeffrey. Thank you, Donna. It's lovely to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to speak with you. So I want to ask you about your very clever use of crime stories within crime stories, which is how William Warwick, your current hero, first appears in the Clifton Chronicles. Can you talk about Warwick's origin story and his character traits? Well, the Clifton Chronicles were, for me, their success was a shock. I mean, they went to number one in the New York Times on all three lists, uh, and that was only the second time I'd ever done that. But what came out of it was that it's the story, the Clifton Chronicles story of a writer based on me called Harry Clifton, and what he wrote about was a man called William Warwick. And many writers wrote to me from all readers wrote to me from all over the world saying, we want you to write about William Warwick. So I went away and thought about that, Donna, and decided I'd try and do something different because there are so many crime stories. So I decided I was going to write a novel about a detective and not about always the crime. So this is a young man at an English public school who decides to want to be a policeman in the Metropolitan Police Force. And his father, a distinguished QC, Queen's Counselor, wants him to go to Oxford and read law and then join him in what we call chambers and become what we call a barrister. No, he defied his father became a constable on the beat. So my first idea, Donna, was to take this character and make it the story about a detective, not necessarily the crimes. So we're going to take him over eight books from being a constable on the beat all the way through to becoming commissioner of the Metropolitan Police. Now, to do that, he has to go through sergeant when he becomes a detective, detective sergeant, then inspector, chief inspector, superintendent, chief superintendent, commander, deputy commissioner, commissioner. Now, having decided that, Donna, at the age of 80, <laughs> I realized that I actually had to live to 87 to make it. Well, I'm on book four. And because of the evil coronavirus, I managed last year to do two books in 14 months. 
Then I added the idea that not only do we take this man through each of the positions in the Metropolitan Police, so you would see William Warwick go from constable on the beat all the way through to being commissioner, but in each book, and all the books are separate and individual, in each book would be a different crime. So book one, he joins the art and antique squad and is chasing a stolen Rembrandt. In book two, he moves into the drug squad. In book three, police corruption. And in book four, the one we're discussing tonight, over my dead body, he moves on to murder. But murder with a difference, because the commissioner has given him four cold cases to solve. Not solved before. A problem. Because the commissioner believes if someone can get away with murder, they might do it again. And he is put in charge of chasing up these four cases and then solving them. So book four, Over My Dead Body, you will see him as a chief inspector in the murder squad under the Hawk, his commanding officer, Commander Hawksby, under the Hawk, dealing with these four cold cases. But there's a twist, Donna, at the end <laughs> that I hope will shock you. Oh, I love that synopsis. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. So let's add another thread to your description, because I was very struck by the Sherlockian tradition of an arch nemesis that you draw on. And I'm going to say a name here, Miles Faulkner. Oh. And we don't want to give much away, but do tell us something. Well, you're quite right. The, my wife always says that uh, the readers are far more interested in the villains than they are in the goodies. <laughs> and uh, William Warwick is a very fine policeman doing a very fine job. But in book one, he comes up against an art collector and very dubious man called Miles <laughs> Faulkner. And I got so interested in Miles at the end of book one, where he has been moving pictures from one place to another of great value without anyone knowing, some stolen, some used for drug money, some used for money laundering. But I thought at the end of that book, I've got to keep this character. And yes, there he is again in Over My Dead Body. He's in prison at the time, but he escapes. <laughs> oh, and he is a good villain. <laughs> so William reports to the hawk. But he also has someone else he reports to, and her name is Beth. Can you tell us a little bit about William's home life? Well, I'm very privileged to be married to a remarkable woman. We've been married for 55 years. My wife is Mary. She is currently chairman of the British Science Museum. She was formerly chairman of the Cambridge University Trust Hospital, one of the great hospitals in Britain. In fact, it won under her chairmanship. It won uh, the best hospital in Britain twice in her last three years, and Her Majesty the Queen made her a dame. So she's now Dame Mary. So I use her in a lot of the books because she's everyone except she's an exceptionally clever and great scientist, a remarkable beauty as well. So when you look at Beth, 
William's wife, you will really see Mary at a young age. Mary, when she was at Oxford, getting a first-class honours degree before she could vote. And you'll see this remarkable woman. So William, being a sensible man like myself, married a remarkable woman. And she runs right through the book. And she works at a museum called the Fitzmolian, which is a combination, of course, of the uh, great Ashmolean in Oxford and uh, the great Fitzwilliam in Cambridge. I put the two together. And she works there and she's working her way up the ladder in book four, and she's now keeper of the pictures. But of course, Miles Faulkner, who loves stealing pictures or who loves moving them when no one's expecting them to be moved or buying them or selling them. So there's an intertwining with Beth and with William and with Miles Faulkner, but worst on her. <laughs> Miles is married to a very cunning, wicked woman called Christina. And no one's ever quite sure whose side she's on. She's a friend of Beth's, but she's married to Faulkner. And she's not to be trusted further than she can be seen. <laughs> Let us talk about a young American who appears at the very beginning of Over My Dead Body. Tell us about James Buchanan. James Buchanan was based on a researcher I worked with at Cain and Abel 40 years ago. He was brilliant. He was a Harvard boy, went into law, had a quite brilliant career. But I remember him at the age of 18, 19 and 20, what the British would call eccentric. I mean, he used to read The Spectator and The New Statesman two of England's great political magazine, one on the left and one on the right. And he read the two magazines, he said, to keep up with what was happening in Britain. So that particular young man who begins book four in a big way, because he's on board ship with William and Beth when they're having a holiday, and he wants to go into the FBI after leaving Harvard, and he wants to talk to this policeman about his career and why he left university and went into the police force. And so we follow this remarkable young man who's the grandson of the owner of the ship, the shipping line, and they witness a murder in the third chapter. And the English policeman, William Warwick, a detective, and this bright young kid from Harvard solve the murder. But it doesn't work out quite as they planned. <laughs> no, it does not. It does not. <laughs> well, so I was quite taken with young James. Will we see him again in a future novel? Well, I hadn't, to be honest with you, Donna, I hadn't intended he would breathe longer than the first seven chapters. But once again, the fans have been writing in saying, uh, we absolutely love him. We adore him. He's bringing back. So I've mentally got to find a way. I mean, he'll go to Harvard, then he'll go to the FBI. Uh, it was always destined he would take over his grandfather's shipping line. But I, I don't want that. I want him to stay in the FBI. So the answer to your question is, I'm very aware of how many people have enjoyed him as a character and want to see where he's going. But to answer your question, I don't know where he's going because I'm a storyteller.
and I never know until I pick up the pen. Oh, that's true. You don't outline your plots. You don't know every detail. Good heavens, no. (laughs) These people who outline their plots are called writers. We storytellers pick up the pen and we move it across the paper. I still handwrite every word, Donna. I move it across the paper because I like the slowness with which it moves, because then you can think a sentence ahead. So I don't know what's going to happen to James Buchanan. I am not sure what will happen to him, but yes, he will come back. (laughs) Well, I'm very impressed with your storytelling prowess here, but I sense that there's a certain amount of research perhaps that goes in. I mean, your facts about artists and the paintings and how they're handled, that's not intuition. Well, I always say to young writers, write about what you know about. I've had a passion for art all my life. Uh, collect As a collector, there isn't a city on earth where I haven't been to and seen at least three art galleries in that city. So it's a passion and a love, and that does get into the books. And I say to young writers, write what you know about. If you have a, a, a hobby or something you know about, put it in the book, because the reader will know you know what you're talking about. So yes, My love of art gets into almost every book. But to answer your question on research, I do research two ways. One, reading a lot, but two, human beings. So on this book, I have a very remarkable former detective chief superintendent, John Sutherland, who sadly retired from the police when everyone was tipping him to be the commissioner. He retired because he had a breakdown what he described in his autobiography as one murder too many. Very sad story. And I asked him if he would pay me the honor of being the chief researcher, and he agreed. And I have another chief researcher who's called Michelle Roycroft, who was 30 years in the Metropolitan Police, 15 in the drug squad, seven in the murder squad. This is some woman. So the two of them together check every fact and make sure I can't make a fool of myself. So if you see something you didn't know, it's probably come from their knowledge and their experience. They'll give me an idea and a story, and then I will weave it and take it. And if you think something is totally unbelievable in the book, that'll be the one thing that actually happened. Because (laughs) they do say, when when I see them, they do tell me some amazing things about what's happened in their career. And I'm digging, pulling. So the answer to your question, Donna, is I'm perpetually stealing any nuggets from them I can get my hands on. And then I read the research. And then after I've done 10 drafts of the book, I will allow them to read it. And then they can say, well, we wouldn't be allowed to do that, or the law stops us doing that, but you could do that. So uh, you have read the book, so you will know there are one or two surprises. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for describing your wonderful research methodology. It really sounds like a lot of fun. And I want to mention, too, that Over My Dead Body is very funny. I mean, there's a lot of wit and humor in there amidst all the bodies and everything else. Well, I never see any harm in if you're a storyteller, bringing humor into even the most evil situation. 
And if two people love each other, as William and Beth do, they have a relationship in which they can tease each other. Or you have the commander, Commander Hawksby, in charge of his brilliant young team. Of course, he gives them hell, and they all tease each other. And if you can get a witty line in or a sharp comment, it's sometimes more effective than a serious line because it brings it home sometimes more poignantly. Oh, that is a perfect conclusion to this marvelous conversation. <laughs> Thank you so very much. Thank you, Donald. Thank you so much for speaking with me, Jeffrey Archer, and thank you everyone for listening to this shelf care interview. This shelf care interview was sponsored by Harper Collins, publisher of Jeffrey Archer's Over My Dead Body, available in the States in October. Stay well and happy reading and happy listening. Thank you again. Thank you.